Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. You came back. Last week's sermon on election and predestination was meant to thin the crowd, but it didn't happen. So, good to see you. Hey, one of the most exciting times that I get to have at our church is happening after the service today, where I get to do a question and answer with those of you who are newer, who want to learn more about our church, learn more about what it means to perhaps be a member of our church. We want to invite all of you who are new to our church or you're not a member of our church Come over to our building. This is not our building. It's right over there. And come over and learn more what it means to be a member. There's no committing to joining. You're just learning about the church, and you get to ask me questions, and I get to answer. And I just want to encourage you to come. I don't care if you signed up or not. We really hope that you can be there. Well, we're about to get into Romans 10. Before we do, I want to pray. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that once again you would speak. And I know you're going to, so help us to listen. Forgive us for going through the motions. And if there's anyone here that's going through the motions right now, just showing up, just please forgive us. Lord, we are sinners that are saved by grace alone, and you call us your saints. And now we are your saints who still veer off into foolishness, and we can't believe that you have saved us. And may we rejoice in that salvation this morning. And Lord, I just ask that you would just go after a religious heart in here where there may be someone here depending upon their religion or their religiosity to save themselves. Lord, just go ahead and smack that down today. Undercut that with your grace and show us what it means to live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm about to tell you a very simple story that I've heard before. Maybe I've told it before to you. Try to pay attention. It's really, really easy. Once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. And he took it to his king and said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. And I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. And the king was touched by the man's heart. So as the man turned to go, the king said, hey, 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 hold up a little bit. You are clearly a good steward of the earth. I own a plot of land next to yours, and I want to give you my entire plot of land so you can freely garden it all. It's a gift. The gardener was so happy, and he was so delighted, and he went home rejoicing. Well, there was a nobleman in the king's court, and he thought, hmm, if that's what you can get for a carrot, what if you gave the king something even greater? So he came before the king the next day, and he had this huge black stallion, and he bowed low before the king and said, my lord, 
I heed horses, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred or ever will. There, I want to present it to you as a, a token of, of love and my respect for you. But the king discerned the man's heart and said, thank you. He took the horse and dismissed the man. And the nobleman was very perplexed, so the king said, let me explain to you what's going on here. You see, the gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want you to think about in your own life, are you the nobleman or are you the gardener? In your relationship with God, do you express gratitude for the grace that has been shown to you in the gospel? Or do you try to do things to earn God's favor and blessing? I want you to understand that one is self-centered and one is gospel-centered. Do you understand that? We are saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And out of that salvation, we express gratitude. We don't try to do things to try to earn God's favor because we already have it in the gospel. This is crucial to understanding what it means to be saved because some people will go through life thinking, if I'm a good enough person and I do good enough things, I will earn God's favor and he will bless me and at the end he will save me. When the reality is the simple gospel says you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. And then out of that is an expression of gratitude and obedience. The distinction matters. The distinction is a matter of heaven and hell. And it's that distinction we're going to look at today as we turn back to the book of Romans. We're in Romans 10. And Paul is in the middle of an argument where he is addressing the tension. And what's the tension? There is a low number of Jews being saved. And if all the promises and all the prophesying in the Old Testament is for the Jews to be saved in Jesus, why aren't they responding in greater numbers? Did the promises to Israel fail? And Paul is making this argument. He starts out with part one in chapter nine by arguing that God does not elect everyone within Israel for salvation, but only a remnant. Part 2, chapter 10, Israel responsible for failing to believe in the Messiah. In part 3, chapter 11, God is still saving some Jews today, and there will be a greater ingathering in the future. So we're in part 2 right now concerning the responsibility of faith. And the context of running up to this it starts in chapter 9, verse 30, up to 10.4, it shows that many in Israel failed to receive the righteousness by faith in Jesus. Instead, they thought the righteousness could be attained through the obedience to the law. And Paul is going to just hammer this theme of right standing before God. And the big idea for today is it's not about doing, but believing. It's not about doing, but believing. So let's start with the first part of this in Romans 10, verse 5, on the righteousness based on law versus the righteousness based on faith. Look at verse 5. For Moses writes that the, 
that the man who practiced the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. Now this is likely a reference from Leviticus 18.5 where God tells Moses that those who obey the commandments shall live by them. And the way that Paul's going to use this argument is to confront the Jews of his time who utilized the law to gain a right standing of righteousness before God. Their righteousness was based upon doing. But Paul's like this. If you want to try to get to heaven by obeying the law, then guess what? You have to obey the law perfectly. So when someone says, you know, I want to get to heaven by being a good person, you say, well, you've got to be a good person perfectly. It's almost like, I want to be the hero of my own story and stand before God one day and say, I earned my spot here. You can think about superheroes in the movies that many of us like to watch, uh, whether it's Spider-Man or Captain America or whatever your superhero is. Well, the reality is a superhero always has a flaw of some sort. What we're saying here, if you want to earn your way to heaven and be the hero of your own story, you must have zero flaws. Because the only righteousness to stand before God is perfect righteousness. You don't got that. It's not about doing, but about believing. Verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. Now here Paul is utilizing Deuteronomy 30, verses 12 through 14, for his argument of a righteousness based on faith. The righteousness based on faith does not say, I'm going to figure out how I can go to heaven and use my power to bring Christ down, or I'm going to use my power to bring Christ up from the dead. Because those two things have already been accomplished by God as Christ came down in his incarnation and as he was raised from the dead at the resurrection by the power of God. And this righteousness comes from God, not by your power to accomplish these things or any good works. You're simply to receive it by faith. Here's some other New Testament language in Philippians 3.9. Philippians 3.9 says, and be found in him, that's Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's not about doing the law for righteousness, but believing in Jesus for righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it means there's something is happening to you internally. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart where the gospel has taken root. And the question I have for you, has the gospel taken root? Just for a moment, let me just speak to the young people in here, the whole two of you. Hey, hey. There is this statistic out there that says 10 Christian kids go to college. At the end of college, only two are following Jesus Eight have fallen away. You've probably heard that over and over and over again. And we try to think, oh, it's because you sent your kids to a secular college. They fell away from Jesus. Or it could be 
your kids weren't saved in the first place. It could be there was no heart transformation. There was no mind transformation. There was no faith and belief in the simplicity of the gospel. This often happens in the South Christian culture where kids will go to youth groups, they will attend church, they will go through the emotions, they'll nod at their parents, say yes and amen, but when they're off to college, they are off because there was no root of faith to begin with. And so I talked to those you who are in high school, headed to college. You may think that now, oh sure, I believe. Do you really? Really? Are you trusting Christ for salvation? And that is transforming your affections for him. It is by faith alone. It's not about doing the little hoops you may jump through or putting on a show for your parents. It's not about that. It's about trusting Christ. Have you trusted Christ? No matter what your parents did or your grandparents did, have you trusted Christ for salvation? It's not about works, but about true, genuine faith in him alone. Let's continue on to the focus of faith. Let's continue on to the focus of faith. Look at verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. This is the gospel. It's lodging inside of a person. And their focus is on Jesus, where there is a confession and a belief. You see it there in verse 9. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The resurrection is not a myth. It's not something we have made up, not a fairy tale. It's an actual event in history where Jesus conquered sin, Satan, and death. And his resurrection is crucial for your faith. Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Do you understand this? It's, it's a mixture of orthodoxy and trust. I'm actually believing that something happened in history. I affirm that. It's almost like I went to my confirmation class and I affirmed the resurrection of Jesus, but it's also something that's going on inside of you where you trust. Yeah, I believe that intellectually, but that's where my life is fully settled on the resurrection of Jesus. You're believing something in your heart. It's an orthodoxy mixed with trust in Jesus. But it's not just that. It says Jesus is Lord. Now, this is not just a, a formula to get you saved. You say, okay, just mouth these words, Jesus is Lord. Okay, no, no, it's like you actually believe that, that he is Lord. He reigns not only over the earth, the universe, nations, but he is your Lord. You submit to him as your Lord. You're like, I truly believe he's Lord over my life. And verse 10 says, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It's through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone that we're accepted and justified, declared righteous and forgiven. And it's something that's going on inside of us. I keep pressing that. It's not just mental assent to certain facts. It's actually history, orthodoxy. You believe it, but it's doing something inside of you where you submit to the lordship of Jesus. 
It's not about doing and going through certain hoops. It's about trusting in Christ who's transforming you. Now, I want to pull back and take a little sermon time out. Occasionally, I take sermon time outs where i got to explain something. So, time out. Now, last week, chapter 9, we talked about election, predestination, chosen for the foundation of the world. Right? Remember that? And this week, we're talking about faith. I'm appealing to you to put your faith in Jesus. And some of you are going, well, I don't, I don't understand. If, if God elects, then what does faith have to do with that? And I don't understand the two. And that they seem like there's a contradiction. Well, you've come to the right place this morning. Because I'm going to solve this mystery of God's sovereignty and human responsibility right now. All right? Jim Nail said, hey, you should really look into this image or illustration about a rope. I said, what are you talking about? And so I looked it up. I said, well, that's really good. And so I'm going to show you historic imagery. Thank you, Jim Neal, for setting this up. So here we go. We have Romans 9, right here. God's sovereignty chosen before the foundation of the world, all right? So if I am going to say I'm all on board with this, and I'm going to uphold myself in God's sovereignty, I'm going to pull on it, pull on it, it's not going to uphold me. Right? It's not, no. But then I come to Roman, Romans 10 and I say, okay, no, it's human responsibility. It's faith. It's whoever so will may come. Come on. Put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to appeal to you. So it's all about human responsibility. It's going to hold me up. Nope, it's not. However, if I hold to both of these, Romans 9, Romans 10, God's sovereignty, human responsibility, I can't explain it. I don't understand it completely. It's not a contradiction. But if I hold to both, I realize I am being upheld. Because it's the same rope. It's the same. Both are taught in the scriptures. We root ourselves in sovereignty of God, his elective choice that we cannot explain. But I appeal to you, in order to be saved, put your faith in Jesus Christ. We hold to both. Now that you fully understand it, that's great. <laughs> Let's move on to the availability of faith in verse 11. Verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, sometimes we can just fly through this and go, well, these are the best passages ever right here. But they're actually Old Testament quotations from Isaiah 28, 16 and Joel 2, 32. The Isaiah portion says, everyone, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. You won't be disappointed by putting your faith in Jesus. You will not be put to shame uh, by putting your faith in Jesus. He's forgiven your sin now. He'll forgive your sin at the final judgment. You won't be put to shame nor disappointed. And the second portion talks about how the salvation is for all. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's broadened out in this Joel quote that everyone, everyone, there is no distinction. The gospel goes out no matter your background, no matter your history. Well, I guess there is one condition. You have to be a sinner and acknowledge that you're a sinner. And acknowledge that you cannot contribute to your salvation. You do all the sinning and Jesus does all the saving. 
It's not about your works and Jesus' works combined. It's about his work. It's not about he's the hero and you're the kind of the, you know, the supporting cast hero. No, no. It's about Jesus. He's the hero. And you can put your faith in Jesus right now. You may have grown up to think that it has to do with doing certain things to be saved. That if you're a good enough person, I mean, a lot of people think it's like, be a good enough person, combine it with Jesus. When it's all said and done, uh, I'll get into heaven. It's, it's not about that. It's not about your works. It's about Jesus' works. It's about putting faith in him. And, and if you don't understand this distinction, you're going to live your life like the nobleman. You're going to think, I need to give God certain things, and then he'll bless me and give me certain things. Rather than the gardener who says, I just love you. I just want to give you this gift out of this free freedom that you've given me and the grace to serve you. So we're saying to the Lord, I want to serve you wholeheartedly and fully based upon your love first directed at me. Because he loved us even before we loved him. It's about Jesus. It's about him and what he's done. And these are the distinctions we should make to our death in proclaiming the gospel. That is about faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. A submitting to his lordship by through faith in your heart and confessing that he is Lord. Pastor Keller is one of my uh, favorite ones to make these distinctions. And I'm going to share a couple of contrasts, if you don't mind, here in the end about, let's just contrast here at the end a little bit of what we're getting at between religion and gospel. The first one is this. Religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Do you see the distinction? Do you understand the distinction? It's a big deal. It started something called the Reformation. That's a big deal. Look at the second thing. Religion, I obey in order to get things from God. Gospel says, I obey God to get God, to delight and resemble him. I'm not trying to get things from him. I, I want him. I want him and him alone. And lastly, religion says, my identity and self-worth are based mainly on how hard I work or how moral I am. The gospel says, my identity and self-worth are centered on the one who died for me. I'm saved by sheer grace. And this is the one that cuts me to the heart because even as a believer, I think to myself, if I work hard enough, then God, he's going he's gonna to say, that'll, you know, that'll boy, you, you, I'll let you in. Or you can feel good about yourself now. You've been working hard enough. Rather than trusting in the one who died for me. I, I don't think you guys understand how messed up your pastor really is. I think you, you underestimate my messed upness. But I have a hard time functioning in life. Ask my wife. I have a hard time functioning in life because I feel like there is always something left undone for the kingdom. 
And I feel like there's got to be something more I should be doing and accomplishing. And I stay awake at night. And, and the thing that calms me down is almost like I, I have to give myself a shot. Not a literal shot, but a shot, a spiritual shot in my arm. And I feel like, okay, that's going to calm me down. And, and here's the shot I give myself. It's, it's like this. God, I feel like i got to do all these crazy things before you, before I die. i got a little bit of time left, and I want to just go all out, and I want to accomplish this, I want to accomplish that. And those can be good, but the shot is this, rest. Rest in the gospel. You're saved through Jesus. You're accepted. You're accepted. And I need that. I need that, that. All has been accomplished in Christ. Yes, I can live a radical life for Jesus. I can have crazy love for Jesus. But that's not going to gain me acceptance by the Father. It is acceptance through Jesus. The pressure's off me. The pressure's off you. We can rest and trust in the simplicity of the gospel. That we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. He's the hero. We're not. Rest. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to continue to lift you up and say, yes, you are the one, the hero, the forerunner, the one that has accomplished our salvation through your perfect life, atoning death, glorious resurrection. And it's an internal change. Lord, change us internally. And I just, I just pray for those who are younger in here who are going through the motions. There's no heart change. And I pray for those who are older in here going through the motions. There's no heart change. Bring us to a point where we just trust you. We look to you. We don't look at how good we're being today or how bad we're being today. We look to you through repentance and faith and find salvation in you. None of us are righteous enough to keep the law, to keep the Ten Commandments. We look to Jesus, who is perfect, righteous, obedient in our place. And so, Lord, just show us what it means to live for you with joy, an overflow of thankfulness, and let us know the pressure is off. The work has been accomplished in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.